I'm William Andreessen, host of Speaking with Students, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Hesha Abrams. She is a professional peacemaker and she has written a book, Holding the Calm, The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension. Oh my goodness, what a powerful book. Awesome practical advice that you can read today and put into practice immediately. And you're going to want to listen to this podcast over and over again, especially if you got that oh, that meeting that you just don't want to deal with tomorrow, or you got to make a meeting that you just don't want to deal with, or something like that. Great advice. Great talk. You're going to love it. Thanks for listening. And by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you would go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and left a review. Could you do that for me? Say something nice about the podcast and uh, how about five stars? Mm-hmm. That would be so nice. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. Hey, have I got something cool for you to check out behind the mic? Voices of the EPN, an inspiring and engaging podcast brought to you by the Education Podcast Network and hosted by EPN's founder, Christopher J. Nessie. You're going to have a blast. Lots to learn. Check it out. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Hesha Abrams is a professional peacemaker, an internationally acclaimed master attorney mediator, negotiator, and author known for crafting highly creative settlements and resolutions in very difficult matters. With 30-plus years in the trenches of resolving human conflict, she has recently distilled her skills into an easy-to-use toolkit, her new book called Holding the Calm, The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension. Through stories and examples, she shares her secrets, enabling anyone to learn how to approach tense situations to prevent explosions, disarm conflicts, and reduce drama. It is her mission to help make our world, our businesses, and our relationships less acrimonious and more harmonious. Today, we're focused on Hesha's book, Holding the Calm, The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension. Hesha, thanks so much for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Hey, hello, everybody. Thanks, Stephen. Well, glad to have you here. And I got to ask you this. Why did you become a professional peacemaker? Because there got to be easier things. <laughs> I have to tell you for sure. But I've been doing this a long time. And back in the day when I was a big hotshot lawyer and I had a kid, you couldn't be a woman and have a kid unless you were very wealthy and had nannies and all kinds of stuff. It was just way too hard. And I heard about this weird talking mediator thing what you can actually talk to people and work stuff out instead of fighting and arguing in lawsuits that sounded interesting to me and once i bit i bet it was amazing i thought what an incredible thing to actually create harmony and what i'll be talking with you and your listeners about today is i'm not kumbaya sometimes it's win-win problem solving sometimes it's great like steve if you and i had a conflict we'd win-win problem solve it and we'd work it out but I like to do the advanced course with our listeners today. What are you dealing with somebody who's impossible or crazy or small-minded or petty or vengeful or jealous? How do you deal with them? Because that's where most of the real conflict comes from. And that's what I want to share with folks. 
I love it. This is gonna, this is going to be awesome. And uh, you know, I'm a former high school principal and uh, um, w- went to places to change things. And so I got some stuff to bring up in there too. Because let me tell you, sometimes it's you never know where it's going to come from <laughs> the craziness. So indeed, well, indeed. You, you know, the name of your new book is "Holding the Calm: The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension." What do you mean by holding the calm? So thanks for asking that. The title is longer than I would have liked, and I'll explain why I talked about diffusing tension. And I'm the analogy, you know, uh, know, guru here. So imagine you drop spaghetti sauce or salsa on the counter. You take a wet sponge and you wipe it up. No big deal. You leave it overnight. You're scraping it off with a spatula. You leave it three or four months, and it's old and moldy and nasty. That, my friends, is conflict. 100% of conflict, 100% of it starts with tension. And the tension could be an angry or it could be a mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, little silent treatment thing. I don't care what it is, but if you're not looking for it, you can't wipe it up while it's wet. So the real question is, we all know this to be true. Why don't we wipe it up when it's wet? Well, we don't know how. We're scared. We're afraid of making it worse. We're hoping it's going to go away. And my friends, I'm telling you, it doesn't go away. It gets stored like nuts for the winter, you know, for a squirrel. So one of the things I want to do is I call it holding the calm because I do that even myself. I mean, I've got an amygdala. I've got a fear negativity center in my brain. You could poke me. I can be hangry. I can be tired. I can be cranky. I can be not getting my own way. That's when we all get aggravated. And you don't say to yourself, calm down, calm down. Anyone listening here who's had to deal with people knows that never in the history of calming down has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down. (laughs) Never. It doesn't work. What they really need is, Steve, let me hold the calm for you. Or let me hold the calm for myself. So now I can create space between what I feel and what I choose to say or how I choose to act. And that space, that moat is filled with power. You've got power. Even in a powerless situation where someone's coming after you, the person who can hold the calm and know how to move things around is the one who's got the power. And that's what I want to share with people in a easy, 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 use it today way. You don't need to get some master's degree or some master course. Like you can do this right now. I love this. This is so awesome. And, you know, as somebody who, uh, who learned, uh, that, uh, there are times when, uh, the brain would lose control of the mouth, um, when you're uh, dealing with craziness and, yeah. uh, I, you know, I actually learned that, uh, not only can you not, uh, get them to calm down, but if you say something like, would you stop yapping at me? <laughs> That does not oh. work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes it worse, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> uh, I have to tell that story another time, but uh, oh my gosh, yes. Uh, all right, you call your book a toolkit. What made you say, I have to write this book? I've given literally 10,000 speeches in my life, and I'm not exaggerating. And every time I do a speech, I'm a giver. I like to be able to give information to people. And people would say, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. Who had time to write a book? I'm working full time. I got kids. Now I got grandkids. Like who had time for this? And two years ago, I had a hysterectomy and knock on wood, everything's fine, but I was grounded for six weeks. And it just, I sat down and said, 
what do I wish people knew? You know, we are all like cavemen and cave women when it comes to, to conflict. We're shoving food in our mouths. I want to say, here's a fork. Here's a knife. Here's a spoon. Here's chopsticks, right? There are easy to use tools, but we don't teach them to our kids, much less to our administrators and our principals and our you know, neighbors and our HOA associations and our colleagues at work. We just don't teach that stuff. We just expect, oh, there's a piano, just go play. And it's the craziest thing because thousand people can build a building and it's one nasty you know, person with a stick of dynamite can blow the whole thing up. So if everybody knows how to wipe that spaghetti sauce up while it's wet, how much better? And so that's literally when I sat down to write it and I didn't make it academic. I have some lawyer friends and I, you know, kind of gave it to some lawyer organizations who didn't want to publish it because it was too easy, wasn't academic enough. And I said, yeah, but that's the point. I want people to look at it today and say, oh, my God, I can use that on my crazy colleague at work or on the bad coach that won't do what I want him to do, or my crazy sister-in-law Thanksgiving dinner. I can use this stuff right now. So that's what I did. It's 20 chapters with 20 tools, with stories and anecdotes and all that. And it makes it easy to try something because this is the last thing I want to say on that is that we are all like one trick ponies. We talk, you and I are in conflict. I try one thing. It doesn't work. Well, you're crazy. You, it's impossible to deal with you. No, you just used the wrong tool. You're, you're eating soup with a fork. Pick up the spoon, right? And so I try to make it easy and accessible. So everybody, this isn't just for professionals. Everybody should have access to this stuff. And we should be teaching this in schools for sure. Oh, you got that right. This is so cool. Because <laughs> this, you know, this, I, dang, where were you? 30, this, I'm starting my 37th year in education. Where were you 37 years ago? I, I'd like, because I'm like. Learning it. Yeah. Learning it so that I could teach it now. Because I learned all the things not to do, all right? So it's like, uh, you know, but it's, it, oh, this is awesome stuff. I, You know, one of the things you, you kind of mentioned it just a second ago. I mean, I've heard you say that all conflict comes from powerlessness. I mean, what do you mean? So I have this theory that all conflict comes from power, either getting it, keeping it, taking it from someone else, having someone else not take it from you. And what happens for our listeners who may not be aware of this is we, every single human being has something called an amygdala. It's two little kidney shaped organs in the back of the brain, right above the brain stem. It's the fear and negativity center of the brain. It's the fight, flight, freeze, you know, I see friend or foe. We hit that in a nanosecond guys. And a nanosecond is a billionth of a second. That's how quick our brain looks at somebody and says, friend or foe. So you've got to battle that. And one of the best ways to battle that is with validation, with reciprocity, with all kinds of tools that are the outside. I'm a big believer that I don't tackle a big problem from the center. I tackle it from the outside and let it slowly dissolve. And then the other person gets deputized to help you. And then you're working on it together. And this isn't hard stuff. You know, one of the things I do in the book is I have all kinds of sentence stems. And I tell people, when you read the book, find two or three tips that don't do all 20 at once. It's too much. Pick two that resonate with you. Take the sentence stems for that tool. Stick it on a post-it note by your phone. Put it in a note on your phone so that when a situation happens, 
you try that sentence stem. And do you want a good one right now? Most definitely, please. Okay. So I had somebody tell me they had a big family dinner and they just had a very difficult uncle who just politically wanted to poke them and talk about nasty stuff. And they said, you know, what do I do? And I said, it's easy because he's want to listen. He didn't want to hear anything. He just wants to pontificate and foment because he gets some sort of, you know, emotional hit off of doing that. He gets an endorphin hit by doing that. So when he starts to say something, turn to him immediately with a friendly face and say, Uncle, do you know what I admire about you? He stops talking, doesn't he? Yes, yes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> not, not another syllable is going to come out of that guy's mouth. Because nice. he wants to hear what you're going to say next. And it's easy. I, what do I admire about you? What do I respect about you? What do I like about you? What do I love about you? Whatever verb you want to use. And then the answer is your passion, your determination, your curiosity, your willingness to learn, your uh, commitment to your cause, it's easy. And you know what happens? That person shuts up because their brain goes, does not compute, does not compute. (laughs) They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Stops them in their tracks. So now who's got the power in that interaction? Oh, you definitely do then. (laughs) Okay. See, and if you just don't say that to me, don't talk to me that way, you're wrong. Who you just gave him your power. You just gave him your power. It's the right bait on the hook for the right kind of animal. You don't treat everybody the same. Why would I treat an introvert the same way I would treat an extrovert? So you have to stop a minute and diagnose. And I use that same, I love analogies. So I use a bomb detector analogy for when you're in a situation, you got to figure out, okay, what tool am I going to use? It's like a bomb was put in the town square and that guy waddles out in his little Michelin suit. He doesn't start cutting wires, looks, diagnoses. Is it a pressure switch? Is it a chemical? Is it a remote? Like, what is it? So you take a minute. And in order to do that, you have to say to yourself, I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. That takes two seconds. Now I've calmed my amygdala down. I've created a moat between the feeling and what I choose to do. Now I'm going to choose to do something. How am I going to choose to respond? So now I've just told my amygdala, I got the power here. Even when I don't know what I'm going to do, pick one of the tools. First one doesn't work. Second one will pick one, do anything. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get, the more successful you get. And I get letters all the time that go, hot damn, that works. That was great. I mean, I thought that person was crazy. No, they're not crazy. You're just eating soup with a fork or you're giving hot dogs to chickens. Like you got to use the right bait for the right person. And holding the calm just helps you diagnose so you can use the right thing. Oh, I love that. It's so, so powerful, so cool. And uh, really would have saved me a lot of headaches along the way. I mean, it's just, you know. In so much. I mean, I mediated uh, uh, the case over the secret recipe for Pepsi. Nice. Okay. And it was so hot and so intense, and it had nothing to do with the formula, nothing to do with it. I guarantee you, when you have somebody and you're in conflict with, it has nothing to do with whatever is being said or spoken about. That's just sort of the, the, the gift wrapping around it. It's always about something else. And if you learn to see the world that way, and what will happen is people aren't going to say, 
oh my God, you're a good negotiator or a good mediator, or you're really holding the calm well. They'll just say, God, you get along with everyone, don't you? Or (laughs) you can handle anyone, don't you? That's what people say. That's how you know you've got fluidity in the world. That's so awesome. I, you know, because it's funny, there's part of me that, uh, you know, so going back to when I was teaching the classroom, that's, you know, you got a whole different sort of, I mean, I I think sometimes adults get it so wrong because it's so easy to, it's not, not teaching is easy. That's not my point. My point is, is that it's easy to, to understand that you're working with kids and the fun part about working with kids is working with kids. So when they do things that are kind of woof off the chain, you know, it's, it's part of working with them and it's kind of, you have to kind of have that, that focus. Well, when you shift gears and you become an administrator, (laughs) that's, there's a whole nother shift. And at first what I had was I had this whole focus on, if you come at me with fire, I come back at you with fire. (laughs) And, and I, I learned down the road that it's funny how most people don't expect you to listen to them and that right. kind of diffuses them. But when right. you fight fire with fire, you just don't know, you, you're going to create some massive conflagration at some point. So anyway. you just, you just blow more stuff up. If someone comes at me with fire, I want to say, my God, you're hot. Would you like a glass of water? Nice. Nice. Right. Yes. You want to know one more little trick yes. and this I'll give to everyone. This, this one's not in the book. Um, so it's just a little bonus for people. And if people do get the book and want to email or write me on specific situations, I like doing that. I I like being able to try to help high tide raise all ships, right? But let's say someone comes at you with something vile, just nasty. You look at them and you say, are you okay? How does that change everything? That's your fire analogy. And I'm going to give you a glass of water because they don't know what to say to that. Of course I'm okay. Well, you seem really aggravated. So you're not dealing with the content of what they said, which has nothing to do with the reality of what's going on, right? If somebody is acting vile, they are not okay. By definition, they are not okay. Now, you're not a shrink, you're not a therapist, you don't have to fix them, but think about that encounter. You come at me and you say something so nasty. I can get offended, I can get angry, I can react to you, who's got the power? I'm not going to give you that power over me. I'm going to say to myself, I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. And I'm going to look at you and say, are you okay? Who's got the power now? Oh, you sure do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't this that. good stuff? I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Oh, it is. It's, it's Just as a note, as a principal, I used to have to, I would, I would make sure that I would have an assistant principal who would meet with me, who I trusted to be able to, um, you know, we, we do it like kind of like a tag team because, uh, you know, if I started losing control, I would say, you know, what I wanted them to do is kick me under the table and say, tag, I'm it, you know, you're out because you're losing it. And, uh, Usually they would tell me, I can't kick you, but uh, how about we come up with a code word? So we come up with a code word that uh, would work that uh, really didn't, somebody was just like, they think we're losing it or something, but you know, but we do that like a tag team, but it's so cool to think about the, the different ways you could talk with somebody that would t- keep you from t- doing that. So, well, and you know what happens look, we're all human. And, and what I tell people is God bless, you know, if you're not making mistakes, you're not growing. And you're not learning, right? So right. you have to have some grace for yourself. You realize that you may, I, I told my kids this all the time that now I have grandchildren and they now finally understand how hard it is to be a parent, right? And I'll say to them, just this year, 
you are going to make 10,000 decisions. Only 9,000 of them have to be right to get an A. That means you can make a thousand wrong decisions. What a sense of grace that that gives you, right? And the idea that you have more tools and there's things that you can do to make it better, it just makes you more powerful. It just makes your self-esteem higher. And if your self-esteem is higher, you're going to model that for everybody around you. You know, and my goal is I'm, you know, I hope by the time I die, I actually know something, you know? <laughs> So the every, I want to get wiser. I want to be smarter. I want to learn from my mistakes. Got to make mistakes to learn from them. And so, you know, knowing things like this, God, what an amazing tool. It just, just imagine people that, you know, they didn't have glasses, what, hundreds of years ago. Okay, what would they tell you to do? See harder. What's wrong with you? See harder. Right. And then somebody goes, let me put a lens in front of your face and improve your world. You know, that happened with people with ulcers um, back in the, well, actually always, but in the turn of the century, 1910, 20, 30, you know, the food was very greasy and people had terrible ulcers and they would just think, oh, it's doctors would say, oh, it's stress. You know, something's wrong with you that you living too stressed a life, which of course just made you more stressed out. Right. And then finally, scientists figured out, no, it's a bacteria in your gut. And we can give you antibiotics and cure the ulcer. So germs existed before the microscope was invented. So I always go into every situation that there's something I don't know and that I'm going to learn. What does that do for me? It's a good pair of glasses on my face, doesn't it? It gives me curiosity and a little less judgment. And if I'm having to deal with someone where I'm human, I have judgment, and someone's acting like an idiot... I'm now going to put on my curiosity glasses and I have a whole chapter in the book called zoo animals where you you see people as zoo animals. Why are you acting that way? I'm thinking what would be causing that it's low skill set. It's low emotional uh, maturity. It's high stress level of something that's going on. You can take anybody. I don't care who you are and stress you out. You just get to the point where you get to the edge of someone's ability. Well, I need to hold the calm for you then, don't I? Because you can't. What greater gift can I give than to do that and say, uncle, I really admire your passion. And then he doesn't know what to say. You're so right. (laughs) It's great stuff. This holding the calm stuff. I'm telling you, it's magic beans. It literally, and if you do it, you'll teach your kids. I tell you, it works. I've done a bunch of podcasts on my website, holdingthecom.com, for people with podcasts to deal with you know, boys and girls and teenagers and all that. I used all this stuff on my kids. Love it. You know, which, which let me give you just one more funny story that's going to make you all laugh. I mean, my son is now 40, but when he was, I don't know, 25 or so, 26, he came to me and said, you know, he had a decision he had to make and asked what he should do. And I said, well, on one hand, you could do this. On the other hand, you can do that. And I was kind of laying it out for him. And he said, oh, God, Mom, please don't give me that mediator crap. Just tell me what to do. And I said, welcome to adulthood. As a teenager, it's don't tell me what to do. As an adult, oh, please, God, tell me what to do. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So I got I to gotta say this because, uh, you know, 
you've got a, a way with words, if no one's noticed that so far. And uh, <laughs> the uh, and and uh, it was funny listening to you describe this. So I had to include this uh, when I listened to you describe this. But you have this uh, you have this uh, special word that you use to talk about what you should do in the situation, and it it's vux or something oh, like yeah. that. Isn't that great? It's an awesome <laughs> word, and and especially the whole design of that word. And Isn't it? Should we, should we share that with our listeners? <laughs> yeah, that's what's funny. Is like we could keep it from them, but uh, no, let's let's share that with the listeners. I know they can get it in the book, but I want to I want to I want to give so people can see this. But when someone's bothering you, tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and now no one's going to forget that acronym, are they? No. So it's. It's V-U-C-S, validate, understand, clarify, summarize. It's a four-part, surefire way to diffuse any situation, anything. And it takes, you know, 20 minutes or so. Sometimes it takes 30. And people will say, oh, God, that takes too long. And I say, well, go ahead, have the conflict, because that'll take days. (laughs) That'll take days. So you have to be in the frame of mind to be able to do it. But let's say you know, you're trying to diffuse something or you're really trying to solve a problem with somebody. You got to listen to them first. You got it because you're the one who's holding the calm. Where are they coming from? What's important to them? What matters? So V is validate. So if I can validate your perspective, of course I should, right? That's not that hard. I see where you're coming from. If I were in your shoes, I would understand that. Validating is easy when you can. But I want to do the advanced course. I kind of promised our listeners I would do the advanced course. What if you can't validate? What if the guy's an idiot or petty or small-minded or stupid or doesn't know all the facts and you can't validate what they say? You just name the emotion. That's it. That's a form of validation. You seem really angry. I'm not angry. I'm frustrated. Okay. You seem really frustrated. Tell me more about that. That you don't have to get it right. It doesn't matter. So, and you don't say you are, because no one wants you to tell them. You say you seem, or uh, letting them express what their emotion is. Then the you is understand. So I need to understand it. Either I empathize with it if I can, but what if I can't un- empathize uh, with it? Because I think you're wrong. I can sure as heck understand it. I don't have to agree, but I can understand it. That's the you. Then the clarify is maybe I ask a couple of questions about it. And then the yes is you summarize it. So if you're an administrator, by the way, and you've got a parent or a teacher or a kid, this is a great tool for you to use because it encapsulates the the go-to at the end. So what we talked about is one, two, three, four is what we're going to do. It's a bomb diffusing technique. And it works with anyone, anywhere, over anything. It's magic beans. And it takes a little time and practice. It does, which is why I have a lot of other tools in the book that are easy, you know, right now kinds of things you can use. But this one is for a little more advanced stuff where you need it. Okay. You know, and I I purposely call it, I I, I created it to be Vux. You tell someone to Vux themselves. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) listening to us is going to forget that acronym now. What'd she say? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What did you just say? <laughs> Validate, understand, clarify, summarize. It's it's great. It's 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 like I said, magic beans. Oh, I love that. I you know, I 
I had a uh, I had to deal with a situation. Remember, I went I went to schools as a principal to fix things, right? And sometimes I did better than others, all right? But uh, you know, the point is, is that in this one school, there uh, there was a conflict between colleagues in this same department, and I had been told that this one person created those conflicts a lot of the times. And uh, sure enough, that happened by my second week at the school, and uh, I have I I asked to see the this one teacher, and I I said. Uh, and I honestly wanted to let her know that I had been told by some parents that my predecessor and this teacher got into it a lot and that I wanted to tell them that some of the parents came to me and said, you know, before you, th- you, know, before you do anything rash, just know that she means well. And, and my kids are doing so well in college because of this. And I wanted to tell her that, that they said so that she wouldn't think I was just going on what somebody else had told me or something like this. And so I said... Uh, um, thanks for joining me. Let, let's talk. But before we go any further, I just want to share with you. And I, I got that far. And she said, no. for you. She, she said, no, 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 no. She said, I know you've been trained to tell something good and then say the bad and then finish with something good. So just get straight to the bad. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> um, well, you know what I would do? This is what, this is the thing. What you were doing was the sandwich technique. You start out with something like that, but she, she was demonstrating how hurt she has been in her life because she was that callous and that cynical. So nobody is that callous and that cynical unless it is wounded underneath big time. So what you can respond with it is you don't have to do what they say, just get to the bad stuff Just say, goodness, you don't like to have a little bit of honey with your medicine. Nice. Or do you not think that you're a great teacher? Do you want me to not think you're a great teacher? I'd rather see the good in you and see how you just keep going to where she finally melts. And then you can talk about the bad. And that's what I say to people. Conflict is not tennis. Just because someone throws the ball to you, whacks the ball to you, you don't have to whack it back. You can just let it drop on the ground and go, that was interesting. Okay. Just because you say we want to play football doesn't mean I'm not going to throw you a basketball or a golf ball or a tennis ball or a marble. I, because I'm holding the calm, I get to choose how we handle it. Now, if you know how to hold the calm too, you get to choose for you. And then we create magic because you got both sides doing something. But if not, you know, it's okay. You get to choose. And I say that to people. So the sandwich technique is in the book because it's just, and I tell people I didn't invent that. It's tried and true and it works great with, you know, 80% of the people. Okay. Good enough. So for the 20% of the hard cases, we get some more advanced stuff for them. That That's why you asked me why I wrote the book. That's why I wrote the book. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> Just, so I learned the hard way because wish that what had come out of my mouth is, Oh my gosh, you know, or something like you just said. And, and instead what came out of my mouth is fine. You want to know what I'm, my point is, what are you doing up there? That's, that's making this go wrong. I know, but you know what? This is why we have flat foreheads because we smash our faces against the wall. But you learned. I have to look at all the wisdom I have. I have learned by smashing my head against the wall and making mistakes and going, oh, geez, I want to do that again. Oh, that was terrible. How can I do that better? Every every case I do, I mean, I work with, you know, IBM and Verizon and Google and Yahoo and big Microsoft and and, uh, Facebook, big companies after every single case. I do a forensic for myself. What could I have done better? How could I have seen that sooner? How could I have been more glib? 
How could I have cut that one off at the pass for myself? Because I want to be good at my craft and this is my craft, but for everybody else who's listening, but you're all doing it because you want to be a good principal, a good parent, a good teacher, and all these boulders get in your way. Oh, I just thought of a great story. Can I tell everybody a great story? Oh, please, please. So I heard this actually on uh, NPR and uh, it was on uh, uh, Hidden Brain, I think. So there was this company that was selling very expensive bespoke couches, 20 and $30,000 couches. They were customized and you pick the fabric and the piping and the arms, you know, all this kind of stuff. People would go online and click, 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 design it. And at the point of sale, they lost a huge percentage of people that wouldn't complete the sale. So what do we as human beings do? We're like cars. We have gas and we have brakes. Almost always we use the gas. Stephen, you obviously said something really stupid and don't understand. So let me explain it to you. Let me let me educate you out of your ignorance or your foolishness. A lot of women complain about men mansplaining to them. And we just do more gas. Boom, 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 boom. Very often, more often, it's we need the brakes. And so finally, a company did a lot of gas, you know, advertising and sales and promotions, and it didn't change anything. So finally, they hired somebody to go interview people who had gone to the point of sale and didn't complete it and just develop a relationship first, you know, and ask, why do you mind if I ask why you didn't complete the sale? Do you want to know the number one reason why people who could afford a twenty dollars or $30,000 couch did not complete the sale? Drum roll, please. They didn't know what to do with the old couch. Wow. wow. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Yes, it And does. the solution is now so obvious. When you give us the, we, the new ones delivered, we will take away your old one and give you a tax receipt for it being donated for whatever, you know, good cause thing. Sales skyrocketed. Wow. And so- I tell people all the time, don't think of the gas, don't think of pushing it forward. What are the barriers in the way of a deal? If someone says to me, no, I won't do that. Okay, I respect that. And I honestly admire your boundaries and how firm you are on them. What are the barriers that would have to be removed to make you wanna reconsider that? What are the obstacles that you are facing that maybe if I understood them more, I might be able to help. Doesn't that change the whole tone of the conversation? Completely. Oh, so I tell people, gas and brakes, think it brakes are far better than gas. And we tend to run off at the mouth and do gas is what we tend to do. But when you pull back, it's that bomb detector, right? It gives me an opportunity to hold the calm and diagnose you're an introvert or an extrovert. How am I going to handle you better? You like things fast or you want to slow down and think about it. You want ego gratification and validation or you want accuracy and specificity. Who am I talking to? Chapter one of the book is speak into the ears that are hearing you. We tend not to do that. I'm just going to be me and talk about me into you. Well, okay, that'll work 20% of the time. What about the other 80%? Let me take a minute and see you. First of all, I'm giving you respect and honor. I'm giving myself diagnostic ability and I'm giving myself time and space to decide what I want to do and how I want to say. Now I speak into your ears 
what's relevant to you? What's important to you? Can everybody hear how much more effective you're going to be? That's chapter one. Nice. <laughs> that's nice. just that's that's literally chapter one. <laughs> awesome. I, you know, it's there's there's so much to to learn about just ourselves and how we interact with people to know um, when you know buttons are being pushed and and uh, something all of a sudden clicks and you you suddenly might not handle the situation the right way. So what do you what do you think? Is there a kind of a key to knowing the triggers or the buttons that you have to deal with where you could make yourself, I'm talking about yourself, not uh, if you're the yeah. one in charge of the meeting to say, hey, Steve, you're losing it, stop. <laughs> the, kind of yeah. like the thing when I had the guy try and kick me. <laughs> no, you're totally correct. And what I tell everybody, remember the 10,000 decisions, only 9,000 have to be right. First of all, give yourself some grace. You are human. You are going to get hot. You, it's just the nature of the way it is. But the more you're aware of it, the more skills you develop, the more, you know, my thing is holding the calm, the more you're able to do that, what you do is you create a wick on the dynamite that's longer and longer and longer and longer. I have a very long wick. Something can happen and I can feel a trigger and what's happening. I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm. I have some ability to do that. But if it goes far enough, I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm cranky, things didn't go my way, you're getting in my way, what the hell did you mean by that? You know, that kind of stuff, you're human. And so if you, let, let's just do both sides of that question. Let's say you explode. You weren't able to hold it in. Okay, you know what happens. You apologize. And you want to know the best thing you can actually say to somebody? Oh, geez, I didn't handle that right at all. Can I have a do-over? Nice. I want to handle it better with you. Who says no to that? Right. right. Really, 95% of the time, who says no to that? So you have a do-over. Now you do it correctly. But what have you gotten from the other person? The other person feels heard, seen, respected, valued. You get a hell of a lot of grace. And it's much better than just saying, oh, I'm sorry, I kind of lost my temper. All right. And that's a level two or a level three. But you want a level 10? I didn't handle that correctly. Or I didn't handle it in the way I would have wanted to handle it. Or I wasn't as respectful to you as I wish I were. Can I have a do-over to do that again? No one's going to say no to that. That's level nine and 10 work. That's how that works. And it is, it's great. Now that's if you blew up. Let's say you're feeling the blow up, but you're able to hold it in and you're able to contain it. One of these sentence stems, they are your friend. They are your friend. Because a lot of times what they said, they didn't mean, or it came out the wrong way because they need a do-over. And every once in a while, like if you're in a close relationship with somebody, I'll say this to my husband sometimes because my husband's an engineer. So he lives much more in his head. He's a pilot and an engineer. And he'll say something. I have to go, you want to try that again? I don't think you meant it the way it sounded. And then he'll look at me surprised and then catch it himself. Nice. And then there's no fight. It's wipe. I'm telling you, everybody, wipe the doggone spaghetti sauce up while it's <laughs> wet. It will make your life so much better. So much better. Once you learn how to do some of this stuff and occasionally you won't and you'll know how to handle it. 
God, this is incredible. This is incredible. I love this. All right. So let's do a couple scenarios real quick. I, we're getting close to wrapping up and uh, I, I got to get you to, although you've given some great scenarios along the way, but uh, being an educator and uh, I've been a former principal and a teacher and such, there's certain things that happen in our worlds. And, and the first one goes like this. Uh, what would you tell a school administrator who's getting ready to meet with a parent who is angry at the principal because he upheld a consequence for a child's behavior issue? So the principal's already like, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. You know, what am I going to say? How am I going to get this started? How am I going to get this over? You know, that type of thing. So what, what type of advice you give? Give that principle. Well, first of all, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And everyone's laughing and saying, I can't believe she said that. Fuck them. So remember, validating. They're angry. Now, why are they angry? It could be that they feel it's unfair. They could be that they can't control their own kid. They can feel like they have to stand up for their kid or the kids can be upset with them. There's a there's so many issues. It doesn't really matter. It's again another analogy. Someone comes in with blood all over them in the emergency room. Doctor doesn't just start cutting them open. You wash the blood away. Where is it coming from? When someone comes into an administrator's office or a teacher's office and they're hot, they've got blood all over them. You got to first figure out what it is and what's happening. So validation is your friend. And let's say that you say stuff and you listen and they're still hot. Everything is done with questions. Do you think I heard you, Mr. Jones? I heard you, Mrs. You know, Mrs. Rodriguez. Do you think I might have a different opinion? They don't know how to answer that. They don't know how to answer that. So then they'll say something. Do you think that we might have a different perspective that might be helpful to you so that we can look at what's really what's best for your child and what's best for the school? Because, you know, if we have rules and we didn't enforce them, it'd be chaos here, right? You you understand that. Nice. So let me go over with you for what, what our rules are and why we have them. And I would very much like your help. Would you help us? Changes the entire tone. But now remember, I'm giving you sort of a blanket magic beans thing to use. I still got to look at them and listen to them, which is what's happening when I'm when Vox is happening. I'm diagnosing. I'm listening to what they're saying and how they're saying it. Are they an introvert or are they an extrovert? Are they a touchy-feely person or are they an, a, an analytical data person? So I can frame my response back and being able to, rather than just saying, well, that's the way it is. That's what's going to happen. Okay, you have the power. Maybe that is, but is that going to work long-term? Or usually people, I have a, something in the book, one of the chapters is called the Blame, Defend, Justify, Death Dance. That's what happens. And it happens in relationships. It happens in interactions. I blame you. I don't care if I'm right. You're going to defend yourself. Now, I feel blamed. So I'm going to justify my decision, which is a form of blame. And you're going to defend. And then you're going to blame back. And we're going to boom, 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 boom. Blame, defend, justify. Lather, rinse, repeat. Accomplish nothing. Accomplish nothing. So blame is an irrelevancy that we all do. We all do it. And it is never moves the ball forward. And that's why asking questions and listening before speaking is far better. You know, this is the situation. You know, how would you handle that? Well, we can't just ignore that because what happens if somebody else does it? 
And what happens if the kids, because you know these kids, if they think there's no rules in enforcing them, how are we going to get anything done here? Then there'd be no learning for anybody. And then you start having that kind of a conversation before you know it. Like when I mediate, the most difficult person, I make my right-hand man a right-hand woman, and I deputize them to implement the deal. Now, all of a sudden, they're an implementer in the deal, and they don't feel like it's When people say to you, it's unfair, it's not unfair. What they're saying is there's a power differential here. You are overpowering me and I don't like it. So how do I equalize the power? I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to hear what you have to say. I'm going to let you be part of the solution. And what I tell everybody is, does that take a little bit more time than just an edict? Yeah. But is it so much better in the end? Everyone listening knows the answer to that. That's so cool. <laughs> it's just, I, you know, there, there used to be this court show on where a judge who had been a judge in real life did it on TV and the sides agreed to go with whatever he said. And uh, somebody on there always sued for, uh, um, you know, uh, I forget what they call that, uh, Pain and suffering. There we go. Someone always sued for pain and suffering. You know, I feel right now like I, I need to sue somebody for pain and suffering because I should have had your book. Man. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I just, I learned from it, yes, but I stepped right into it. And, uh, um, you know, like you said, there's some situations, there's no winning. <laughs> you're, you're human. And I always joke that, you know, we say win-win problem solving, but, you know, there's no win-win problem solving at the Super Bowl. Right. Right. And most people live their lives that way. So it's a nice concept and an ideal when you can achieve it. But I wrote this book for real life with real life people and real life kind of junk. And that's why I kind of fought with my publisher. I wanted it cheap. It's a little $15 paperback. I wanted it a two hour read, easy and accessible because I wanted a school to say, look, we want 100 copies. And then there's like a wholesale rate of like 10 bucks for it. And on the back of the book, I put a little training guide, which I should mention to people. Um, And I didn't, again, people wanted me to make it a workbook and you can charge for it. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm giving it away for free. So in the back of the book, the discussion guide tracks the book. So what you can do is in any, you know, use it as a training. So within a group of people that you get the book, everyone reads it, and then you go through the questions. And what makes it so interesting is that you read something and think, absolutely, that's what it is. And then you hear your colleague go, oh, no, that's ridiculous. I didn't like that at all. And then you get to practice going, really? Why? How did that work for you? Now you learn. So what happens is it becomes team building, relationship building, through the vehicle of learning about how to do this better. And I know school districts don't have any money for training. It's so hard. So this is free. Like it's what I think the wholesale through the publisher, I think it's like 10 bucks a book if you get 100 And then it becomes a free training that somebody leads it where basically you just go through the questions. And now all of a sudden you have a training that was done and you have a lexicon within an organization to say, did you use plural pronouns? That's one of the chapters. Did you use Fox? You know, what about the blame, defend, justify death dance? Did you get sucked into that? Now all of a sudden it's an easy, simple thing because my goal in doing this was to get it out there. You know, so people could actually make their lives easier. And our world is so acrimonious right now and so hostile. Think about just politics. People can't talk about anything anymore. 
and it's fracturing our society, you know, and I want to leave us with one more quick little tip for people to do. Let's say you've got a colleague or an administrator or a neighbor or a parent or somebody who thinks diametrically opposed from you. And let's just make it an easy one like abortion. You know, uh, get your hands off my body. You're a baby killer. Uh, how much more polarizing can you make an issue, right? It's pretty extreme to do that. And I can't even talk to you. I can't believe you would like Trump. I can't believe you would like Biden, right? It's that bad. I'm going to look at, and I have to talk with you or interact with you or work with you. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to ask myself one question. Would you pull my kid out of a burning car? And if the answer to that is yes, there's something redeeming about you. And 95% of the time, the answer to that question is yes. So rather than me looking at you through a lens of one thing that we really see so differently, I'm going to see more of a totality of you. Now I can see where we agree and how we can interact. We don't change each other's mind, but we can be civil. We can have civil discourse. We can have politeness and courtesy. Isn't that going to make our society, our schools, our families better? And it's not hard. We can do it. We can do it, everybody. Trust me, we can do it. <laughs> we need them listening, that's for sure, because that's a, it's a rough thing, because you, you nailed it there. And just to be able to have, to realize that we do have some commonality, because you hope the answer to that question is yes about the child in the car. And, yep. uh, and, and right there, oh my gosh, this is so powerful. I, Hesha, this, is, this has been awesome today. This is, this is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's, I, this is no fair. How did time go by so fast? I, I, you know, I want to make sure that uh, if, if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you and or learn more, where are you going to send them? Excellent. So three ways. One is my website, holdingthecom.com. And if they sign up, I don't, I don't sell the list. It's just every month I just send out little tidbits of stuff as I'm thinking about it. They can send me a request on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a Facebook page, holdingthecom.com. And uh, if you go on Amazon to get the book, would you be a kind, wonderful soul and leave a review? Because that apparently drives the uh, search engine algorithm. And I'm really just trying to get the message out that you can do this, everybody, right now. Have a fork <laughs> right That's now. Nice. So holdingthecom.com, LinkedIn, Facebook, and um, Amazon. And of course, the book sold everywhere. You don't have to buy it on Amazon. It's Target and Walmart and Borders and Books a Million and all, you know, all, the, all the other normal places. But Amazon seems to have, uh, you know, very much cornered the market. Right, right. Cool. Well, I have that information in my show notes, so it's easy for them to find as well as click on right there. So, Hesha, uh, thanks so much for talking with me today. Holding the Calm, The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension is a book for the times. Practical, helpful, and definitely needed. Uh, wishing you success in all you do. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. 
Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.